Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, Dolphins fans. It is 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Fin side. And gosh, Paul, I wish we had something to talk about here tonight. Uh, it's day Great. one. <laughs> it's it's actually day two of the NFL tampering period, and all of this goes into play tomorrow with the NFL free agents. So we're gonna we have a lot to get through tonight. And Chris Kaufman is going to be joining us in about 30 minutes to help make sense of all this with the Miami Dolphins. But a very eventful day. The Dolphins never keep anything easy when it comes to March. So we're going to go through all that, roll up our sleeves, and get through all that here tonight. Before we get into our own free agents and the impending free agents, uh, the Dolphins did a lot, of, a lot of cap room this week, renegotiating and extending a few contracts. Really, uh, the Dolphins saved $24 million to head into free agency, but really with four moves. First of all, Greg Jennings, the wide receiver, was cut, which I know Paul loves, saving Aww. $4 million. Yeah, and Dom Katsu <laughs> renegotiate, renegotiates his contract, shoves money down the line, um, whether that's a good move or not. It remains to be seen, but it definitely gives Dolphins more money this this offseason. Uh, saves $18 million. Jordan Cameron will take a million-and-a-half-dollar pay cut. Will play for about $6 million this year instead of seven-and-a-half. And Koamisi restructures his contract as well. We'll give him a little bit more guaranteed money down the line. We'll save $1.7 million this year. Paul, uh, thoughts on the renegotiations and the amount of money the Dolphins have saved? Well, I know we weren't a huge fan of it, but it, it really looks like, and I know we're going to dive deeper into it, they're taking that cap money and using it smartly already. And and, and I don't think they're done uh, trimming cap space, which, let's face it, we looked at the offseason, we said, oh, no, they don't have a lot of cap room. I know we talked about it here on the show. And um, one of the big things is, is that cap room and that number that you go into the offseason with is just funny money. It's just how much work that front office is going to have to do to expand or contract based upon what they actually want to do during the offseason. So, again, they, they got their funny money back, uh, kicked the can down the road in some instances, uh, made some right moves in others. So uh, I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. Right. Yeah, and speaking of our, our own free agents, Olivier Vernon, uh, you know, n- nobody knows what the hell's going on with this guy still. Um, pro football f- talk has said as much. Uh, Mike Florio uh, said on here, on, on an article posted just about uh, 25 minutes ago, some are suggesting that the Dolphins are really have not made a decision on Cameron Wake or Olivier Vernon because they have, quote, a few other moving parts in addition to Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell, and Mario Williams. Uh, Now, that gets interesting because when you look at who's out there, there's been talk about the Dolphins being interested in cornerback Pac-Man Jones and safety George Iloka, former Bengals who played under Vance Joseph in Cincinnati. And there's also a big vacant um, hole at guard, and, and the guard class is pretty robust out there still, Paul. Yeah, I mean, it, it's I, – I don't even know if I'd say there's a huge hole at guard. I don't love our guard play right now, but quite honestly, you grab one guard out of the deep guard pool, um, which let's hope that the Raiders signing for tomorrow doesn't inflate the market drastically because the Raiders went out and did what they did when Al Davis was alive. 
and completely paid everything on the planet to get the player they wanted. Um, but, I mean, they're, they're doing a lot of good things. I'm curious to see what they do at defensive end. I think Cam Wake is actually more in their plans than Olivier Vernon at this point. Um, I think we're going to see them recent that tag to Olivier in the next 24 hours, making it pointless that they transition into the first place. Um, now that they're signing Mario Williams, I wouldn't be surprised if they get Hayes or uh, re-sign Shelby to rotate with Wake on the left side, slap Mario over on the right-hand side, and uh, put some type of rotation in place at the defensive tackle between him and Sue. And suddenly you've got a pretty dominant um, defensive line. You've also got, I believe, Demontre Moore still in the fold. Um, that'll be backing up in Terrence today. So suddenly what looked like a very thin position for the Dolphins on defense is, is, is fattening right up. And then you throw Kiko Alonso and some corners in the mix, and suddenly we've got a pretty damn good defense on paper. You know, uh, Olivier Vernon's quite interesting in, in the respect of if the Dolphins rescind that uh, free agent tender from him, they could be eligible for a comp- compensatory pick next year in 2017 uh, if the amount of free agents that they lose outweigh the amount of free agents that they gain. So Olivier Vernon could net possibly a third-round draft pick next year, which factors into the discussion as well. If they keep that tag on, they have the potential to have Vernon on a one-year 12.7 mil contract. That seems very unlikely with a lot of these teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars with a lot of money in the mix. So by rescinding that tag, they're eligible, you would think, for a um, a compensatory pick next year. We'll see what happens. It's really up in the air at this point. Um, And looking at the defensive end position as well, Paul, Derek Shelby's also out there. Uh, You know, who knows with this guy? There's not a whole heck of a lot of talk about him. They're talking about four or five million dollars a year for him. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe it's a little less. Uh, what else do you think is going on with the defensive end position in addition to Wake, Williams, and Vernon? So there's there's two things after looking at everything they've got going on. Um, one is Derek Shelby's probably in that second wave, which you know every year we hear him talk about. There's that second wave of free agents to sign. I know he's got a lot of under-the-radar buzz, essentially in terms of the value that he adds, especially given the price tag that you just talked about. Um, the other thing I'd look at with the Dolphins, too, is right now they're sitting at a – there are rumors that they may be swapping picks with the Eagles as part of this trade. Uh, we don't know. No one knows for certain at this point. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they're suddenly out of the defensive end market in the first round of the draft. I mean, if you've got Mario Williams, Demontre Moore, Terrence Fidei, Cameron Wake, possibly Derek Shelby – under contract, possibly Olivier Vernon. I can't imagine that they're looking heavily at the defensive end position there. And if they are still sitting there at eight, and say Joey Boza for some reason slides, um, say DeForest Buckner slides, and one of them is sitting there, that's great news for the Dolphins because they're able to drop back at that point because somebody's going to want to come up and get those guys at a position that they've already got to dirt the talent. So, there's some interesting stuff there um, with, with what the next 24 hours is probably going to mean, um, not just in terms of next season, but also in terms of the draft and in terms of the, the remaining free agency period for the Dolphins. Yeah, it'll have a ripple effect on the draft, that's for sure. I don't see any way um, that the Dolphins end up in a situation where they have Wake, Williams, Vernon, 
in Shelby. I mean, that's that's a, and I'm not saying you're saying that, but it, it, no. to me, to One me, they're going to get out, at least right. Yeah, Williams. You, Williams is here, obviously. Uh, agreed to terms today. It'll be finalized tomorrow. And then you've got the three moving parts. You've got Cameron Wake, who has refused a pay cut due $9.8 million next year. The Dolphins can save $8.4 million by cutting him. Derek Shelby's a free agent and is going to get some interest. And you can bet he's going to be paid to be a starter in the NFL. And then you've got the Olivier Vernon situation. Uh, I expect two of those three to come back. And still, at that point, I don't think the Dolphins are going to be in the market for a defensive end in the first round. But if they find themselves in a position where they have Cameron Wake and Mario Williams at 31 and 34 and they don't have Vernon and Shelby, now they could be back in that mix for defensive end in the first round. You're listening to On the Fin Side. Give us a call at 714-333-3302. We're talking about everything free agency. We'll have Chris Kaufman on in about 20 or 25 minutes to discuss this in more detail. Moving along, more news today. And I'll tell you, I am I'm pissed. I am just pissed about this. Lamar Miller, um, the Texans and the Cowboys appear to be front runners for his services. The word is, forget about Lamar Miller returning to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, I can't see a way that he does at this point. Um, eh, what do you think, Paul? Honestly, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I know Houston's the front runner right now. I know they've always done a good job of utilizing their running backs, but if I'm Lamar Miller, and and one of the big things I put out there all off season, even at the end of last season, was that com- coming back or signing somewhere was about utilization. If I'm him, I'm giving the Cowboys a good hard look. I, I would love to see him back in Miami. I want to see him back in Miami. But you can't tell me running behind that Cowboys offensive line with a team that not only says that they're going to utilize their running backs, uh, has, has absolutely proven that they're going to utilize their running backs. Hell, they even threw, kept kept handing the ball off to Darren McFadden when he couldn't do anything. Um, so he'll get his opportunities in either of those locations, and that's just not something that the Dolphins have been able to do for him, even when they could have and should have, like that game we were at against the Texans last year where, you know, he was on a record-setting pace, record-shattering pace in that first half, and then they kept him fresh so that they could not use him the next week. I mean, there's got to be a bad taste in his mouth at this point, I would assume. Well, I I think the bad taste in his mouth really comes from a couple things, that he didn't even have 200 carries on the year. But to me, the bigger thing is that toward the end of the season, when he was asking for more touches, they take him out of the passing game almost completely when he's had a great season in the passing game, both in blocking and in receiving. And they put Damian Williams, a completely useless football player, on the field. I'll tell you what. Speaking of Chris Kaufman, I, here on the show, he never curses. On Twitter, he never does. But when you mention Damian Williams, it, it's, it, it's like he breaks character, and he just goes nuts because he can't believe that somebody like Damian Williams would be substituted for Lamar Miller. Uh, Paul, I understand we have a caller. Hey, Kat. We're going to go and pull Jerry from Nashville on the air right now. Jerry, hey, Jerry. Here. What's going on, fellas? What's, What's going on? I just sitting here watching every move of the free agency starting starting up. I was tuning in tonight. I wanted to call in, and you know, I, I'm thinking. Uh, I think that uh, we're pulling the old Pittsburgh Steeler trick here, where they, these players use other teams to 
to uh, run up the score here. But I, I really think Lamar – I think the Dolphins are going to jump in at the very last minute and, and get Lamar back. I think what they're just doing is to make sure that they're not overpaying him, you know, overpaying him. They want to see what somebody else is going to give for him, and they're going to make – and I think they're going to say that they're going to keep him. I really do think so. So I know that so, there's a lot of reports out there, but I, I just believe that Miami at the last minute is going to bring – Miller back because I truly believe that Gase really likes the guy and really wants him. I really do. I really think he's going to. I'm probably the only person that's thinking that way, but I think that I think Miami's going to jump in and ruin the day for these guys at the last minute and keep it. Now, Jerry, I I, I wish I could agree with you on that. I, I really I do. It's my my thing with that is is Lamar Miller is visiting with these teams and. If one of these teams throws a contract on the table that is to his liking, says everything he wants to hear, et cetera, the Dolphins aren't going to have a chance to come back in on that, I don't think. I think it's – You don't think – He could he, he might sign he was, it right there. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you, I, I mean – Go ahead. I, I, Jerry, my, my answer is I, I hope so. Uh yeah. I really feel that once Lamar left the building uh, and started talking to the Texans and the Cowboys, I really think that's pretty much it. Um, but I could be wrong. I mean, if, if Lamar Miller's out there demanding eight or nine million a year, and the yeah. Cowboys and Texans collectively are saying, "Uh-uh, not going to happen," and yeah, then it is a possibility. But to me, Lamar Miller's contract demands would have to be outrageous at that point. Um, if it's if it's anything, if he's asking for something $8 million plus, maybe that he does get laughed at by all 31 teams and he comes back to Miami. Well, two quick things, and I know you got uh, the guest coming on. I wanted to see two things. You know, if, I, if, he's my, if I have an agent and I'm here in Tennessee and I'm playing for the Titans and I like it here, I grew up here, I live here, and then, you know, I tell my agent, look here, man, you can talk to whoever you want to. We're going to let the Dolphins know how to just because I want to. If they're going to match the money that somebody else matches, then I'll stay here. So, obviously, he would probably do that. We'll just say. Well, yeah, he But here, here's my thing to that. If if, if he's saying, say that he wants $6 million, and we'd be willing to give him that. Let's say the Texans want to give him $7 million. What's the difference in that million, you know, given that we don't have the tax in Miami? And all this thing. What and I guess what I'm saying is, what's the difference in the million or the two million that would make you want to move when you consider the taxes or whatever? Am I going to move to Texas, the Texans for a million more dollars a year? Would he do that to leave Miami? That's you know I'm kind of thinking myself. It seems like to me they would have to say I I'll guarantee you eight million a year. Jerry, you know. Jerry, yeah. I got to I got to I got to jump in on that. Texas does not have okay. state income tax either, so. It's a okay, I didn't know that. But I, I knew Tennessee yeah. didn't. I didn't think. I didn't know off the top of my head. I was just using an example, but I was wondering, you know, maybe da- does Dallas, do they have it? Oh, Texas, yeah. same thing. Te- Texas, okay. Yeah, okay. T- Texas, yeah. same thing. So, okay. Yeah, Jerry, okay. Jay, Jay, believe me, I'm I'm rooting there. I'm rooting right there with you. I think so, man. <laughs> I hope so the Dolphins happens, do good. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I will. Hey, I, I, I definitely my wallet out. I'm ready to do it, but we'll so, it sounds good. Hey, I'm, me too. I mean, I, I, I think, and I'm mad too that the Dolphins are not going another million, two million dollars up on that when they are going yeah. um, what you what you would think a little yeah. bit crazy here. 
um, with these contracts. I mean, I thought I thought that was a guy we really had to take care of. First, in fact, it shouldn't have even been this month or last month. It should have been a year ago. Should have been a year ago with Olivier oh, yeah. Vernon as well. So, Jerry, you thank you very much for calling in. Okay, uh, we're going to get I'll on, but hey, keep again. keep listening to us, okay? I will. Take care. All right, that was Jerry from Nashville, and uh, you know we're 15 minutes into the show, and we haven't even talked about really the biggest impending trade for the Miami Dolphins, one we really didn't see coming out of anywhere. Um, the Dolphins rumored are going to, and, and pending a physical and pending contract rework with Byron Maxwell, the Dolphins look like they'll have two new starters on defense in Kiko Alonso and Byron Maxwell. And just to clarify something before I throw this to Paul, uh, all of the rumors talked about today uh, about how the Dolphins are for the compensation is going to be a swap between eight and 13. And then I also heard a fourth rounder thrown in there somewhere. All of that has been completely retracted. It doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but uh, for the moment, it's been completely retracted. Um, so Paul, just initial thoughts on this trade in general uh, with Kiko Alonso and Byron Maxwell to the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, I've always been a Kiko Alonso fan. When when the Eagles made the trade to get Kiko uh, from the Bills for LaShawn McCoy, when we talked about it on the show, one of the things I, I, I had said was that the Bills wanted the short term, uh, but I thought long term, Kiko Alonso is a very special young talent uh, at the linebacker position. It gives a lot of flexibility. Um, and seeing him and Jenkins playing alongside each other, could be the start of something special at that linebacker position for the Dolphins, finally, after the last few years. Um, now, that's contingent on him getting healthy, but it's low-risk, high-reward given his contract for this season. Uh, it's almost as if he's on a prove-it deal at this point. Byron Maxwell, he was the guy that, that went to Philly. They, they threw him in as a high-end one, playing man-to-man, uh, when he's always been a, a zone-press corner. That's pretty damn good. And, you know, he's fitting at sitting out of scheme and looked terrible at the beginning of the season and the end of last season, but still actually played pretty damn well, um, you know, the middle 10 weeks of the season. So I think the Dolphins really got got the high end of the deal here, depending on what compensation they're throwing to the Eagles. I know one of, a few of the things I've seen out there now is that not only were those terms retracted uh, for what Miami was giving up, but that they were actually false. So, who knows? There's a lot of misinformation that flies around during this time. Uh, you know, ask Omar Kelly about misinformation uh, if you want to look at what was the Pro Football Talk or Roto World, um, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see one of the sources of misinformation that's out there. But honestly, I, I I think the Dolphins have a lot of upside to this trade with pretty low risk. Uh, I'm with you. I think there are two ways to look at this. Some Dolphins fans are up in arms about this because they think that the Dolphins are just taking the Eagles' damaged goods. That's one way to look at it. Last year, Kiko Alonso, two years ago, well, let's let's go back. Three years ago when Kiko Alonso was a rookie with the Bills, I thought this was one of the most up-and-coming linebackers in the game. I, I, at the time, on this very show, said I thought he was the best linebacker in the game, middle linebacker in the game, behind um, – Luke Keekley, young linebacker in the game behind Luke Keekley. Next year with Buffalo, he tears his ACL, gets traded for LaShawn McCoy. Um, and with the Eagles last year, he suffers a partially torn MCL in his first week, was never the same player throughout the year. So the impending physical for Kiko Alonso is going to be extremely important moving forward. But 
I see no risk in all reward with this. In a worst-case scenario, Kiko Alonso is at least going to give you a starter at linebacker, whether that's in the middle or the outside. Going to make $990,000 this year on really a one-year tryout. Um, and then cornerback Byron Maxwell, yeah, he was – not very good with the Eagles last year. Not as bad as people make him out to be uh, after signing his six-year, $63 million contract with them. And Albert Breer said today that the Dolphins are working on uh, redoing this contract. And it's my understanding is that is a very big part of this trade uh, moving forward. But Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso did not play in, in defenses that were fit for them last year. They played Maxwell played in a, a cover three type of defense. Uh, he's more of a more of a strict uh, zone guy, not a bump and run, not a uh, not anything else. Kiko Alonso uh, played in a three four as a middle linebacker or as an inside linebacker and had the injury problems as well. I think this. Uh, uh, Shores up two big needs on the Dolphins' defensive side of the ball. And Kiko Alonso could be extreme, uh, just a huge steal at the middle linebacker position if he shows the Kiko Alonso that he was in 2013. Obviously, those are a lot of big big ifs as well. Yeah, and one of the things I'll say, too, about Kiko Alonso is he played behind a pretty damn good line in Buffalo. But let's face it, if he's playing behind Mario Williams, uh, if he's playing behind Cameron Wake, and Dominican Sue, potentially Paul Soliai or Jordan Phillips, et cetera. The offensive lines are going to have their hands full already. So he's going to have a lot of free range to be able to run around and make plays, which I'm excited to see with this kid. And, and on top of that, one of the things that got pointed out too, that on an interesting note, and I know we, we've talked a little bit about him during the off season, but when Deion Jordan was at Oregon, um, he and Kiko were roommates, and maybe he's a guy that can get Deion Jordan back on track being down there. Um, and if they can do yeah. that, now the defensive end position looks even more ridiculous. Um, it, so it's, it's a, a very great, very good observation there, Paul. Um, Kiko Alonso and Deion Jordan were roommates um, at Oregon. Do I think that factors into the trade? Probably not, but could they have viewed it as maybe an added bonus? Uh, you never know. Uh, you know, CK was on the show last week, and although he doesn't know anything definite on that, he has heard a lot of things, and uh, people we know have, have said a lot of things that, you know, the the reports that are coming back on Deion Jordan aren't aren't all that good. But you never know. I mean, Deion Jordan's all reward at this point. If you cut him, you save a little over $3 million. Um, a lot of moving parts here for the Miami Dolphins as free agent officially kicks off tomorrow. You're joining us on the Fin side. Call us at 714-333-3302. Follow us on Twitter on the Fin side, as well as on our Facebook page. So uh, another big thing stepping out here today is – Omar Kelly, and I think this is the first time I've referenced him in five years on this show, has said that Brent Grimes will be cut and released, and the talk is replacement is going to be Adam Pacman Jones, who is also receiving some interest from a few other teams as well. Uh, Brent Grimes is scheduled to make $9.5 million this year, or was scheduled. Dolphins um, save $6.5 million with his release. Uh, Paul, do you uh, do you anticipate Grimes getting cut, and uh, are you happy about it? Um, I definitely do anticipate Pac-Man signing. Uh, if you asked me a couple hours ago, uh, I would have said 
Yeah, I 100% anticipate Grimes getting cut. Now I'm at about 90%. Um, it's, I'm pretty damn sure he, he's getting cut. Um, I reached out briefly to Miko um, yesterday when the news started breaking. Um, but some of the stuff I've seen out there now kind of cryptically makes me think, huh, nobody's said anything to him yet. doesn't sound like anything's official other than You've got a couple of reporters from, that also said things like Calais Campbell was on the trading block uh, from the Omar Kelly newspaper. I think somebody put it as today. Um, so there's a lot of intriguing things out there or, that, that are swirling around Grimes, and I think some of it's going to be contingent on a Pac-Man signs, which I think you will. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I, I've said from the beginning of the offseason, in fact, I said – the middle of last season, Brent Grimes can't be on this team this year. And, you know, I uh, respectfully disagree with people who don't think it's a big deal uh, with, with the whole Micro Grimes situation, especially when Ryan Tannehill stood on the podium and said, yes, it's a distraction because I have to talk about it and hear about it every day. Yes, it is a problem. Uh, I was uh, at a taco shop next door, and two people, while I was eating dinner, texted me saying, is Brent Grimes worth the risk because of his wife? Do you know how ridiculous that is? That 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 that. I'll read you a text from my buddy because I thought it was hilarious. He said, uh, "My friend Rhino from uh, from California he said, I think she she has him under his control. You know the whole I make my man great type of thing, which is completely fine if that's if that's who they are. But to refuse not to say something because she is who she is, and I, I don't care what she says. That type of attitude is is going to get you sitting on your couch on Sunday and." It's ridiculous, and I am glad to see Brent Grimes swapped out for somebody like Pac-Man Jones, who played better than Brent Grimes last year, and I think does have a few more years as well. And not to mention, he can play on the outside, he can play on the inside, and uh, he does seem like somebody, and good for him, knock on wood, that has really turned his career around and has turned his life around. Not many problems here with Pac-Man over the last seven or eight years, and good for him. Would welcome him here in Miami. I hope the temptation of being in South Florida um, isn't too great for him. So, yeah. uh, he, and, and, and one quick thing to add to that too is, is he he suddenly turned his career around and, and and got the best of his career playing under Vance Joseph. And Vance Joseph is the Dolphins' defensive coordinator. I think knows how to get the best out of Pac-Man. Um, I mean, the Miko stuff. You know what? She's always been good to me. I know the media feeds off it, and then Miko feeds off the media, and it's a self-feeding monster between the two of them. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I know, I know Brent will sign somewhere. He, he still is too talented not to, um, but you know, yeah, I, he'll, I, he'll definitely I'm, sign somewhere. He'll sign somewhere. But the question becomes ridiculously, um, can, can I deal with the baggage? Even the, even though the guy has never been arrested, never failed a drug test, never done anything wrong besides, well, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Um, yeah. you know, what's interesting about Adam Jones too, is that, You've got so many Cincinnati Bengals here hitting the free agent market in addition to Adam Jones. You've got George Iloco, like we talked about before. Reggie Nelson, the free safety, uh, really has played lights out since uh, since playing with the Bengals, but he's also 33 years old. Leon Hall, former first-round pick, 31 years old. And then you've got just uh, 
you've got some guys there that are free agents that could be, you know, just really cheap depth guys. Defensive tackles, Pat Sims and Brandon Thompson. Defensive end, Wallace Gilbury. And linebackers, Vincent Ray and Emmanuel Lamar. Vincent Ray is a player that I've heard for the Dolphins quite a bit. Uh, that could be a nice depth signing for them. Probably for only a, you know, a million or two a year too. Can back up all three linebacker spots, maybe play that same role as Spencer Pacinger this year, but at a higher level. So, uh, a lot a lot of players out there um uh, he- heading into heading into uh, tomorrow. I th- those are players that I would assume uh, those Cincinnati Bengals are going to be out there for a little bit longer than uh, the Mario Williamses um that we see tomorrow. Um, well, I, I will say though, I Loke is one that I, I don't expect to be out there for very long. Um, from what I've heard, right. he's narrowed it down to Minnesota, Miami, and Detroit at this point. Um, obviously, anybody can still come in uh, with that being the case. But if he's got it narrowed down to three teams at this point, and, and there are three teams pursuing him, let's face it, he's a 25-year-old ascending safety right now, um, and. I'd love to see him come in, play alongside Rashad Jones, and suddenly you may have a secondary in the next 24 hours that is Byron Maxwell, Rashad Jones, George Iloka, and Pac-Man Jones. And that's a pretty damn good secondary, which was a weak spot for, for the team a year ago. Um, it, so it definitely, it definitely is. It's shaping up. It, it definitely is, and – you know, if the Dolphins are going to stockpile one position, I would prefer that it would be defensive back. Um, what worries me about George Iloka, I, I've heard uh, that George Iloka has received offers of about $6 million a year, and he has rejected those offers. So if George Iloka is asking for $7, 8000000 $9 million a year, Paul, at 25 years old, does that change your opinion of him? Would you still sign him, or would you rather go somewhere else? Um... Seven million, Eight million a year. A year. Seven, let's let's go with seven a million a year. So it's five years, thirty-five million for George Iloka. Hypothetically, yes. would you would you consider that? You would do that. Yeah, especially and, and especially I'll tell you, five, well, especially on a five-year deal because let's face it, I know we we've talked about it till we're blue in the face, but. Donna Ponte is going to set that deal up where the back half is probably voidable. The money is spread appropriately throughout the contract to be easily movable. And you know what? Let's getting an ascending young safety to pair with Rashad Jones and form a pretty damn good tandem. You need that in today's NFL, especially in the AFC East with guys like Gronkowski that need some safety help. Um, with with some of the receivers that are in the East, with guys like Brady. Um, they are going to make that front end better, and the front end that Miami's building is going to make that back end better. So, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd, do, I'd do it. Interesting. And, and I'm definitely not saying you're wrong on that because, you know, Aloka's a very good player, very sought after as well, and, and he's played some lights out. Football, obviously, um, we know that he's very well coached uh, as well. So, I would probably pass on Iloka. At, at, at that point, I would I, I would say no, thanks, but no thanks. Even though I I, I think he and, and Rashad Jones would make a great tandem uh, over the next several years. But I look at the rest of the free agent market at, at free safety, and, and I see guys like uh, Rodney McLeod from the Rams, Raheem Moore just released from the Texans, Rashad Johnson, a uh, um, 
uh, a veteran uh, from the Arizona Cardinals. He's 30, but he, you know he's he's also somebody back there that can be stabilizing. Michael Griffin released from the Titans. David Bruton, a guy that uh, all of us have brought up on this show, is a very underrated player behind T.J. Ward. Uh, there at the free safety position uh, with the Denver Broncos. Deshaun Goldston, uh, Tyvon Branch, a player that you've mentioned on, on the show before too, Paul. So uh, there's a lot out there at, at that free safety position. But George Iloka, if, if this is a player that Vance Joseph really does want, you know that you really – Joseph really wants him because he can call the signals back there in the secondary the way Lewis Delmas did for the Dolphins before uh, he had the injury problems. A very, very interesting what will happen at that free safety spot. Uh, Chris Kaufman joining us here to make sense of all this craziness here on the Finn side. Uh, join him, uh, follow him on Twitter at CK Parrot. Uh, Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Have so... First day of free, first day of free agency, not even, and uh, where there's talk of Mario Williams, um, uh, Mario Williams, excuse me, there's not talk. Mario Williams will be a Miami Dolphin tomorrow, and pending a physical and contract rework, the Dolphins will also get Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso. So let, let's stay right there for now, Chris. The Mario Williams signing, 31 years old, didn't have the best year last year. Does this make sense for you? Well, it depends on what their aims are with respect to Olivier Vernon and Cameron Wake, but it makes sense from the standpoint of Mario Williams a year ago playing in Buffalo. When you look at him on tape, you see that he was definitely not playing in a system that was suited to his uh, his abilities, his, uh, his physical makeup. Um, he was in that system, in that Rex Ryan system, I think, of him as a tweener and m- most people think of him as a very prototypical defensive end but for Rex Ryan he was a tweener uh he was not quite that uh that fast outside linebacker type that could uh that could rush the outside with extreme speed and blitz and uh and move across the defense nor was he the guy a kind of guy that could slide inside more and do a lot of damage in the power game uh, and so what you saw just as the games went on is Mario Williams ended up being a, a decoy or uh, used out in coverage. Uh, he drew a lot of double teams. Uh, this was on purpose. He would often uh, widen out to allow blitzers to run through vacated zones or, or really cross to the inside uh, tight while a blitzer came in from the outside. You know, Rex Ryan does all these things to try and put the sombrero on different guys on each play to get to the passer and uh, produce the pass rush. And just Mario Williams didn't have a whole lot of freedom to be that guy. And when you look at the tape of Olivier Vernon in Miami, it's, it's really just uh, starkly opposite what they did with Olivier Vernon, especially after Cameron Wake was uh, injured and how they put him in position to succeed and to rush the passer and to be that guy had the most opportunity. Now, the thing that I noticed with Mario is that when he did have those opportunities in Buffalo, when he was rushing the outside and not being used as a decoy, not doubled, uh, he did well with it. And, you know, he got after the passer. There were some there were some nice moments against New England, for instance. Um, and I think that uh, that's what that's the player that Miami thinks that they'll be getting 
and the new defense with Vance Joseph as they incorporate some more wide nine type of looks and give Mario Williams a stronger uh, opportunity to get after the passer. Now, the thing to keep in mind here, and this is something I got wind of earlier, a lot of people think as soon as we sign Mario Williams, you know, the transition tag will be rescinded on Olivier Vernon, and and that'll be that. Or the other way that people were going is that Cameron Wake will be cut, um, and they'll they'll try and get Olivier Vernon back. There is a chance. There is, um, I guess, a, a school of thought uh, within the walls in Miami that they could try and get all three guys. Um, it'll be hard to, to happen. Uh, they'll have to make the numbers work, and they'll have to get cooperation from both Cameron Wake and Olivier Vernon to make those numbers happen. But what they're really focusing on is the three-man rotation at defensive end. And as soon as I heard that the the focus was really on the three-man rotation and that Cameron Cameron Wake was really priority number one, making sure that they keep him, uh, as soon as I heard that, that, that had me thinking, you know what, they're they're trying to get all three of these guys one way or the other. They're, they're playing hardball with Olivier Vernon right now. Uh, they don't think that his market is what Olivier Vernon seems to think it is. And so when they make these, uh, when they have these interactions with Olivier Vernon's agent, they're, they're really, they're, they're tense and uh, they're playing hardball with him. They're making, they're making offers and they're just letting, you know, letting them stew. And, um, and I think that that's making uh, I, Olivier Vernon himself and probably his agent very frustrated. And so they really want to see what the market holds for them. But I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect them to to rescind that tag unless they've got a solid line on somebody offering a contract that is far better than what the Dolphins are offering. So where does Derek Shelby fit into this mix? Uh, obviously, if they have that three-man rotation of – Wake, Williams, and Vernon, they're not going to bring back Derek Shelby, or at least you wouldn't think so. Um, Say that they can't work that out. Say Olivier gets another offer or Cameron Wake does end up getting cut. Where does Derek Shelby fit into this? Well, the simple answer is as far as I can tell right now, he doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. I have not heard of of any desires really to get him back into the fold. I think that if they do end up rescinding the tag on Olivier Vernon and letting him walk, then they will focus on some other guys out there. And they have a list. They have some guys in mind that way. Uh, I think we all know about William Hayes by now, uh, the St. Louis Ram defensive end. Um, and I think that that's, that's the direction that they're looking to go. They're looking to to go after some other guys if they're not able to to keep all three guys, all three Olivier Vernon, Cameron Wake, and Mario Williams. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I I would, even if they could do it, uh, I I would hate it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I I would I would not be able to to stand Olivier Vernon, Wake, and and Williams on the same line. Uh, on it sounds great on paper, but man, you are spending a buttload of money to be able to do what what would it be what would they be making combined this year about 30 million dollars somewhere in that range man oh man that'd be a lot i mean they can can make it work they can make it work at about 24 25 million um they can't make it work 
north of that. And so when you saw Mario Williams' number come in at about eight, then you really need Olivier Vernon's number and Cameron Wake's number to to add up to about, you know, 16, 17, something like that. And uh, that just doesn't seem that doesn't seem doable right now because it would involve uh, Cam Wake taking a pretty significant pay cut and Olivier Vernon agreeing to, you know, say a, say an $11 million a year contract. Um, and right now Olivier Vernon's not, his mindset is not that. Yeah. I'll tell you, you know, thinking about that, the CK, you've been pretty outspoken about, you really want Cameron Wake back, not Olivier Vernon. Um, now, what would you say to somebody who said, hey, Cameron Wake's 34 years old, he's due to make $9.8 million this year, Olivier Vernon, if you can get him back for 13 or 14, that would make more sense, given that he's 25 years old? Well, I think that Olivier Vernon has the potential to get better, but on tape, it's pretty clear which one is, is the best player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you always have to go back to that and say, well, which guy is actually the most threatening player to an offensive line and the guy that you have to worry about the most? And I think that that's clearly Cameron Wake. Now, he did have a torn Achilles tendon, um, and that's that's something to seriously consider, especially at his age. Uh, but this is a guy who is kind of a physical freak in the way that he can you know, work out, take care of himself, and come back from these types of injuries. So I don't necessarily consider him or his torn Achilles tendon the way I would a lot of other players because I know that he has he may be 33, 34 years old, but his body is not necessarily that old because he takes care of it as well as anybody I've ever seen in the NFL. And uh, and the other thing to think about is because he started out pretty late in the NFL, uh, he doesn't necessarily have the wear and tear that a lot of you know 33, 34 year olds would. So I think to, to that end, you, you have to adjust his age that way because he's a little bit of a, a special case in the way that he takes care of his body, and also because he wasn't playing in the NFL. Um, coming straight out of college he wasn't really he doesn't have a lot of mileage that way so i i think yeah. there's a lot of ways that you can look at it but ultimately you just look at them on tape and and Darren Wake's a better player absolutely and looking at moving along uh the twitter world and just the dolphins world in general today um rocked really over the last two days by this impending trade of Kiko Alonso and Byron Maxwell, the cornerback and the linebacker from the Eagles. Uh, make sense of this trade for us. So what do you think? Uh, what was your reaction to this? Do you like it? What do you think? Well, I think that first off, you have to look at the, the impetus for this trade, and that is their decision to get rid of Brent Grimes. They haven't done it yet, and you know they're, they're, they might even go all the way to June 1st to do it. Um, they might see, seek a trade uh, with Brent Grimes. But either way, I think the decision has been made to get rid of him. I think that that decision went back and forth. I think there were factions. I think there were people that argued, why why should we be making decisions based on extraneous factors like a like a player's wife? And ultimately, the side that wanted harmony uh, in the locker room won out. And I think that decision has been made. So you look at his salary figure and Byron Maxwell's salary just 
slides right into it. Maxwell was a guy that was, I think most would argue, misused last year in Philadelphia um, relative to the tape that he put down in Seattle the years before. Um, I think that this was kind of a iconic uh, deal for Chip Kelly, the GM, who is a failed GM, and, and so there's a lot of angst about his signing that way. But I, I don't see him necessarily as a bad player, especially depending on what you want to do in Miami with him, what Vance Joseph will want to do with him. Uh, this is a guy that played off coverage too much, I think, in Philadelphia. And uh, it wasn't necessarily always zone, but there was a lot of off coverage and, and soft coverage. And he just he just didn't do as well. He needs to play a little bit more aggressively like he did in Seattle. Um, if they really want him, then this is a guy that Vance Joseph has signed off on. And I think that this is a they'll, – they'll just look at it exactly like they had with Brent Grimes. We were already disappointed with Brent Grimes with what he was laying down relative to his salary. And so you slide him out, you slide a Byron Maxwell in, both guys in both cases you did not assume that this was a number one corner that could match up on the number one receiver and not have any safety help. Um, We found out last year with Brent Grimes that was no longer – something that you could you could say about him and I think everybody found that out with Byron Maxwell but that doesn't mean that they're not both good players that could have found a place on this defense and so you have Brent Grimes out because of his wife and really for no other reason I think and uh and then you have Byron Maxwell in and how about Kiko Alonso well, you know this is somebody who uh, in 2013, uh, second-round pick out of Oregon for the Bills, really played phenomenal football. The next year he t- tears his ACL, gets traded to Philly for LaShawn McCoy, um, partially tears his ACL early in the season, is not quite the same player. Do you see him getting back to that place that he was with the Bills? I've got to be honest, uh, no, probably not. Um, mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people have been – looking at him and this is this is the danger you see him play really well for one year and 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 naturally in your mind he's going to play like that every year that he's in a Miami Dolphins uniform but the simple fact of the matter is that he spent a year suspended in Oregon for alcohol related incidents he had multiple alcohol related incidents at Oregon uh he got to the NFL he tore his ACL the next year you know came back too early possibly didn't take care of himself very well, re-injured that ACL, um, and now we're not even sure that he can pass a physical. I mean, I think this trade is going to go through, but there are many different grades that go into a physical, and um, and I don't think his physical is necessarily going well, or at least it's uh, it's it's not it's not it's certainly not cut and dry. Um, so, you know, this is a guy that I think they tacked onto the trade as more of an afterthought. I think this was more of a Byron Maxwell trade and that Kiko Alonso got tacked onto it. And I think part of the reason is because they don't know that he's going to be healthy. They don't know that he's, you know, not going to get in trouble in some alcohol-related uh, mm-hmm. incident. And, um, and so they can't really count on him. They can't rely on him. And so they're just taking a kind of a low cost gamble 
throw in Kiko Alonso. He's making less than a million dollars a year, and we'll see if we can get something good out of him for a year. Um, but they're going to approach that pretty ca- cautiously. And I wouldn't be surprised if by tomorrow you found out that we had to nix the Kiko part of the trade because the the medical, the physical just wasn't working out. So um, so I'd keep an eye on that. But right now I know that I know that the medical and the physical situation is, is going to be a little bit hairy with him. Chris, speaking of uh, the compensation, say Kiko is taken out of the trade. Well, actually, let's say that he's – uh, he passes the physical. He's involved in the trade. You know, again, I hate to keep going back to the quote Twitter world, but there was a lot of talk today that that the eighth and the thirteenth pick were going to be swapped. All of those reports have turned out to be, for the time being, complete BS. Do you have any insight on what you think the compensation will be for the swap? I have some insight. I don't have specifics. Um, I'll just say that it's. Keep in mind, probably a late round pick um, as compensation. I think that the swap plus fourth rounder um, deal. I, I know where that. I know where that came from. I don't necessarily know that it was accurate. I don't think that. Um, I don't think that that kept in mind the the possibility that. Kiko Alonso's physical was not going to be, you know, pristine. Um, so I think that there were still some moving parts involved in that trade, you know, right up to today in terms of the uh, the compensation for it. Um, so I, I think that it's still it's still kind of up in the air what the compensation is going to be. But what I've heard, and I, and I have this pretty solidly, is that the swap of first is not really on the table. Um, so I, you know, I'd look for probably be a late, a late pick. Good. Well, I'm relieved to hear, uh, hear you say that. And I I hope it isn't either. Um, how mad are you about Lamar Miller potentially leaving the Miami Dolphins over a few million dollars? Well, you know, it's, it's unfortunate because I've, I've said on the show a couple of times, I really do feel that he could be the next Jamal Charles. I think that he's that good. You look at the full package with him and it's not like he only did it this year. The guy has led the team in yards per carry every single year he's been on the team. Check it. No other back on the team has had a higher yards per carry average than him in the year in the same year. Uh he's done it every single year. It's just they haven't given him the ball that much. And particularly the last two years, I think the last half of 2014 and then all the way through 2015, he really ascended to being the player that you always wanted him to be in terms of what he could do after contact and breaking tackles. And he, I think he, he led or was near the top in yards after contact in 2015, yet you know he's got that 4-4 speed and, break, and can break the big one at any time. I mean, look at that combination, yards after contact and the speed, and then the things that he can do with the foot, catching the football in the passing game, and then the blocker he became. I mean, it's really the full package, and yet he doesn't have a whole lot of mileage because they have serially, you know, underused him his entire time in Miami. It really couldn't get much better, and it's surprising to me that they're not valuing that. I guess there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, he hasn't signed anywhere yet, and you never know. But... um but it really, it really does uh, upset me that he, he's going to look, he's going to end up 
probably going the Houston Texans, and um, and I think it's insane. Yeah, yeah I, I do too. And just to piggyback on that as well, Chris, I, I tweeted this out the other day that you look at the last two years, Miami Dolphins running backs, not leaving anybody out, Lamar Miller, 410 carries, 1,971 yards, 16 touchdowns, 4.81 yards a carry. The other running backs on the Dolphins roster, 214 carries, 3.82 yards a carry. So you're talking about a full yard per carry better for Lamar Miller. Uh, In the passing game, why he was taken out late in the year for Damian Williams, I'll never understand. I don't think any of us will. Pass protection, he's improved greatly. Last year, when the Dolphins needed one yard, or when a running back in the NFL needed one yard last year, Lamar Miller um, was the top-rated person at that spot. Uh, you could go across the board, and I don't know how much more of a complete back that you want. If Lamar Miller were were a former first or second round pick instead of a fourth rounder, I guarantee you that he'd be getting that seven, eight, nine million a year that he might be asking for out there. Anyway, we could go on all day about Lamar Miller. Uh, it's it's a shame. Hope he ends up coming back somehow. I don't see it happening. Uh, moving along, Pac-Man Jones. Uh, if you had to put a percentage on it. Uh, what's the likelihood he becomes a Miami Dolphin to replace Brent Grimes? Well, it's probably in the nineties. I mean, it's it, it seems like uh, it seems like something that's pretty zipped up. Um, I have some qualms about it personally. Uh, I think that Pac-Man Jones has been in trouble a lot in the league and in college. I don't know if that's going to uh, abate now that he's in a Miami Dolphins uniform. I mean, I think that there's a wide perception that this guy, you know, got in trouble a lot maybe back in 2008 or so and uh and and has kept his generally kept his nose clean since then and and that's that's not an accurate perception. It's a matter of people just stop paying attention. It wasn't even 3 years ago. It was 2 2 years ago plus that he was in trouble because he's on videotape, you know, punching a woman in the face outside of a, a nightclub. I mean, this is this is on tape. Ray Rice has has similar tape, and he's an NFL pariah. You know, you look at this tape of Pac-Man punching a woman outside of a club, and and nobody says anything about it. And uh, and you look at what he did on the field this year. You know, five months ago on the field, taking sitting on top of a player's chest. You know, a player whose helmet had just fallen off, taking that player's head and literally with both hands bashing that player's head against his own helmet uh, on purpose. You know, and and this is this is on tape. You can you can watch the video. There are vines of it out there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is uh, this is a player, and then and then of course the extreme loss of composure in the most pivotal game of the year the most pivotal moment of the most pivotal game of the year in the playoffs, he lost the Cincinnati Bengals, the playoffs. And, and this is a, I mean, this, this, this kind of stuff is really all over his career, getting on fights with his, and in fights with his own teammates on the sideline. And you think that this is going to quit in Miami because Vance Joseph, I no, it's probably not. Uh, I, I shudder to think of what he's going to do in the nightclub scene down in Miami. Um, and, and so, I, and I just have some problems. I mean, I would normally be neutral. No, I don't require every player in the Dolphins to be a choir boy. But I also don't think that, you know, either you punch women in the face or you're a choir boy. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, either you punch women in the face or you're a choir boy. I think there's probably some in between. Big there. gap in between, yeah. Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say so. So <laughs> I, you know, I think I think that that's and that's not the first time he's been accused of violence against women. Let's let's be clear about that. So, so you know, CK, I, I, I just want to jump I, again, real real quick here. Um, so. Say the choir, the non-choir boy, Bagman Jones, does sign with the Dolphins. Say the Byron Maxwell trade goes through. Say they do sign George Iloka or Bruno. Um, they've got Kiko Alonso. They've got Mario Williams now. Where do you see the Dolphins? I know we just talked about it last week, but there's been a few moving parts in between. Where do you see the Dolphins going with the eighth overall pick at that point in time? Well, it also depends on what they're going to do at the running back position because Ezekiel mm-hmm. Elliott could be in play um, yep. at that pick. And so I think you'd have to keep an eye on that. Um, but I go back to the Kiko Alonso thing and, and how it, it's probably a little bit more of a tack on to the trade and maybe yep. some people are overrating it. Um Mike Tannenbaum is a guy that loves to trade around the draft. And I know that they love, they love, with capital L, Miles Jack. So, you know, would would we rule out the possibility of a trade-up to try and get Miles Jack? Absolutely not. Not because of Kiko Alonso. Um, so I think that you'd keep an eye on that. Uh, and then you'd also have to keep an eye on on a guy like Vernon Hargreaves because – you know, let's face it, Pac-Man Jones is only going to be here for a, a year or maybe two years. They've got to start getting a young guy um, to to groom under him. And also, Byron Maxwell might only be here a year. And that's what people don't realize is that after 2016, his contract allows for the Dolphins to let him go. And if they only spent a, a late-round pick on him, then it's not going to that, that that is not going to produce any um, any you know uh, yeah. reluctance to go ahead and move them. So right, and I'll tell you what it's it's interesting. Yeah, because Hargreaves at eight. I don't care if you sign Pac-Man and Maxwell and and another cornerback. I mean, the reality is in today's NFL, the third cornerback is going to play what sixty-five to seventy-five percent of defensive snaps compared to the third linebacker who will play. Uh, maybe 30 to 40% somewhere around there. The fourth cornerback is going to play, you know, uh, probably as much as the third linebacker in today's NFL. Not to mention, so you can get him on the field quickly and you can have him here long term as well. That's what the Dolphins, to me, need to keep doing is stockpiling talent at the defensive back position, similar to how the Arizona Cardinals do it. Uh, that, to me, is the new model of the NFL, and the Dolphins have to start somewhere. Uh, in doing that. But going back to a couple of needs there, Chris, um, uh, free safety and guard seem to be two very big positions for the Miami Dolphins moving forward. Have you heard anything specifically about that, or do you have a feel for either of those positions right now? Well, there are are three names that have stood out uh, at guard, and those are Alex Boone, Jeff Schwartz, and J.R. Sweezy. I think that they toyed with J.R. Sweezy a little bit. I did some film review of him. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like I did some film review of him just in time to see his market heat up a little bit, which is actually a little confusing based on his film because you're looking at him and he's not that great. Um, so I think there are multiple suitors now looking at him, and it seems like Alex Boone is the most likely. 
he might have been the most likely all along. We've talked about him before, uh, and the offensive line uh, coach Chris Furster's experience with him, his hands-on experience. Um, <laughs> and I think that uh, I think that Alex Boone would probably be the chalk. Uh, Jeff Schwartz is not signed anywhere, so you know we'll see. Um, and personally, I would have I would have looked uh, given a hard look at Brandon Brooks. I think they uh, they gave a phone call to Colicio Samelli, and uh, you know the the price was prohibitive. So yeah, um, five so that, years sixty that, five years sixty million on on a Semelay. and yeah, Brandon Brooks right now uh, just to cut in there, Chris would be my top choice at that guard spot. He's twenty seven years old. He's six five. 340. In fact, he's who I wanted in the third round uh, of that of that draft. Instead, the Dolphins actually took uh, Olivier Vernon. So I, I think you couldn't have gone wrong there either way. So not not bad. Yeah, they also took Michael Agnew with the next pick. We don't have to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> very interesting. Um, so uh, the guard position. Yeah, that's uh, Jeff Schwartz would be interesting. As well, he'd be a a guy that you know, kind of similar to Kiko Alonso at the guard position. That if if he, oh, if over the last two years he were a healthy player, then he probably would still be with the New York Giants. And if he can come back, uh, that would be huge and and would solidify one of those guard spots. Same thing happened with Brent Grimes a couple of years ago. Maybe the Dolphins get lucky again like that. Uh, very deep, Chris, uh, free safety class as well, um, looking looking at this. Uh, Paul mentioned George Iloka. Uh, the market seems to be heating up for him. I heard that he has rejected offers of about $6 million a year. Um, is Iloka uh, a way that you would go in free agency, or would you look at somebody else? Well, I've been a fan of Iloka since he was coming out of the draft, um, and I viewed him as a free safety coming out of the draft. So a lot of people – question whether he would be a strong safety or free safety. I have no problems with him as a free safety. Uh, I still have to look at, even though I I don't like his temperament, uh, Reggie Nelson. And I think that he would be a good fit here, you know, provided that you could draft somebody that would, uh, that would, that would, uh, I guess, be his understudy. Um, So I I think that they're going to monitor that with Reggie Nelson because, there's some talk about his market heating up, but age is going to come into play. And traditionally speaking, safeties with that age, even if they're coming off productive seasons, you know, you go on and it may look like, and they may think that they have a hot market, but then, you know, it keep, the days keep going and they're not getting the offers that they thought they would. Um, this, you know, going all the way back to Brock Marion and our yearly dance with him, um, this this is uh, traditional for the safety position, so we'll see. I, I still keep an eye on Reggie Nelson personally. Uh, and if his market does go hot all of a sudden, then you know so be it. But um, but I would look to uh, to to scoop him up if the market just is fairly dry. Chris Kaufman joining us here on the Fin Side, making sense of all this free agency draft, all this stuff. Um, he's kind enough to join us here on Tuesday nights. Um, Chris, thank you for joining us tonight. Do you have anything else to add? Anything that us Dolphins fans should look out for with free agency starting tomorrow? Uh, well, not really. I think that uh, I think that we've covered most of it. Um, I think that uh, they're keeping an eye on C.J. Anderson, the running back from Denver. 
uh, he was he's a restricted free agent, but he got the lowest tender, so that means that he's fair game basically. Um, so they're going to keep an eye on him, and the the benefit of him as well would also be that he doesn't count in the compensatory pick formulas, and that's an angle that I think they will pay attention to. Uh, with Mario Williams already, they signed a guy that was cut. And this is not a player, because he was cut, he's not going to count toward the compensatory pick formula. Uh, mm-hmm. So if they allow Olivier Vernon to walk, and they can't keep all three, as as I, as I speculate that they might be trying to do, um, then, you know, we'll, be a, we'll have allowed a really big fish to escape and not necessarily signed anybody to cancel them out in those formulas. So I think that that's something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. You know, we could even get a third-round pick out of that for Olivier. Yeah, Vernon, exactly, so. exactly. Next year, getting a third-round pick for Vernon would would be huge. So a lot of moving parts in place. Chris, thanks for joining us tonight. All right, thanks, guys. Here. All right, Paul. I understand that uh, Mr. David West, who has called the show several times, has been uh, kindly waiting for us with some information. I think on Pac-Man Jones, huh? He well, is. I think we're going to pull David right on the air now. David, how you doing, bud? What's up, oh, David? For having me on tonight, guys. Absolutely. Uh, What's going on, that? my friend? Oh, it's just been a busy year. Um, you know, it was a lot of great insight. We just heard a lot of information that actually I was going to bring up, but you know, it was brought to light. Uh, CK always brings the best to the table. Um, with Pac-Man Jones, I will give you. The, the news as soon as I hear it, um, I'm actually very good friends with his agent. So if I get a kind of an insight, I will give you some kind of leeway, even if it's here in the next hour or two. I've sent him a text. And if it is, in fact, true that he's heading to South Beach, I'll let you guys know. And I'll oh, okay. announce it tomorrow. But you'll hear it before it actually hits the, the ink and it hits the paper. So if it happens. I haven't heard from him yet. Um, if his agent texts me back, I will let you guys know first that Pac-Man Jones will be coming to Miami the day before. So, fantastic. Are you on? Are you on Twitter as well, David? I am. I am on Twitter. DRW Scout. That is my tag. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking that was somebody else uh, all the time. So yeah, absolutely. And tweet it to us as well, and tweet it on the fence side so we can retweet that and give you credit for it. So that would be that'd be awesome to hear. It'd be uh yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know, there are a lot of risks associated with with Adam Pac-Man Jones, but uh, d- to me the risks outweigh um the the potential shortcomings and the potential problems with him. So thank you very much for that. Oh, you're welcome and definitely I was willing to bring that up. Um quickly with the pass rush since I know you have a super show planned, I don't want to take too much of um the time on the clock. Um, we're, we're, we're actually at the end. We're actually at the end, David. So go go for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, just to put it out there, that Charles Johnson resigned with the Panthers no more than ten minutes ago, and mm-hmm. he was getting offers on the table for six to seven million dollars, and he signed for only like two point six. If a, a player feels like there's something there, like chemistry or something that they like, Seahawks did it for years. They got players that were you know, a lot more value to the market compared to actually what they're getting. It's quite possible that Olivier Vernon has a change of heart and says, all right, you know, I'm willing to work a deal out. Let's talk. 
And it's the same with Cameron Lake. I've heard a lot of people say he's leaving. I have heard just the opposite from different sources that he's staying put. Um, the sources, you know, aren't quite reliable, but, you know, I'm hearing the kind of realm that Cameron Wake wants to be around this dynamic defensive line and this dynamic defense. Free safety is a huge void. I haven't really heard many rumors about them going after free safety. I think they're going to try again. But, um, you know, just to put it out there that, I think that they're probably going to go draft one. That's just how I feel. I haven't really heard them chasing anyone. Now, they did like a few of the big names, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Miles Jack uh, mentioned earlier, uh, I think that overall, Miles Jack, if he's there on the board, we'll pick him no matter what. Um, Casey was right. He, The Miami Dolphins love him very much. Uh, they want him. Second round, they're looking at offensive linemen. I can tell you they've looked at most of all the second-round linemen. Uh, I don't think they're going to um, open the checkbook for a lineman. Um, they're probably going to draft one. Someone like Joshua Garrett, who they're very high on. Someone like Spencer Dragano, who they very, um, like very much. Third round's probably going to be a defensive back if they can't get Miles Jack. Um, but an interesting fact that, you know, we've talked about this whole Philly thing, that Miami has – looked at some mid-round pass rushers in the first round, someone like Dodd, someone like Lawson. Um, these guys they've talked to at the Combine, they've interacted with, with a lot more, but we haven't seen any interaction with um, guys just in between, um, number eight or number nine. It, it's either right. that they're, take, they're taking a shot to get one of these top players, um, Ramsey, Hargreaves, uh, Joey Bosa even, they might roll the dice, but I think they're preparing to try to trade down to maybe get a pick or this this Philly swap is actually going to be for real. So that's what I got. Well, so, Paul? David, re real quick follow-up on that. Um, okay. I know we just asked CK, and I know you were listening, so I won't rehash the entire question. But if the expected moves in Miami take place, and, and Brandon, I know I throw Iloka on there even though – He's really down to, like, three teams at this point. If those moves take place and Miami's picking at eight, um, who would you expect uh, Miami to take a look at and pull in at that point in time? Well, um, he did bring up a good point. Ezekiel Elliott would be in play at that point since we're losing a running back. Also, if Lamar Miller does leave, which it does sound like he is, um, you know, running back would be a need. I just personally haven't seen a lot of love interest with some of these top guys, uh, I think that overall they will go after probably a corner. I, I, even if they bring in Pac-Man Jones, even if they, you know, I still think they need a corner for the future. Um, you know, Cincinnati did it for years. They stacked corners left and right, left and right, waiting for the guy to pop up. I mean, last year they had the impression that Marcus Peters was going to be the dime back for the year, and guess what? He was defensive rookie of the year because Sean Smith dropped the change. I mean, you never know with this kind of stuff. If you have a guy on the board like Vernon Hargreaves, you're not going to pass on him, and especially if Miles Jack, even if you bring over Kiki Alonso, um, I also think they're going to be targeting mid-round linebackers to continue to fortify that linebacking core, hopefully one of these guys. I mean, you can never have enough good pass rushers. You can never have a, um, 
enough good linebackers. One more little nugget. I worked for the College Career Act Showcase um, this this January, and I met a Dolphin scout. There was a Dolphin scout there. We had about 80 scouts on hand, so I talked to a lot of different team representatives, um, and I suggested the Dolphins look at this pass rusher from Central Arkansas, uh, Jonathan Woodard. He's 6'6", 276, very productive. If you want to look at his tape on your own time, go for it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. break now, but um, he's like, yeah, you know, I think I will. Maybe five minutes after I talked to the Dolphin Scout, uh, they brought Jonathan back for a one-on-one interview. So, you know, I'm not saying I took credit for that, but they might be looking at some late-round pass rushers to develop, kind of like Terrence Bidet, Derek Shelby, et cetera, et cetera, even yeah. though Derek was back. Well, you'll, you'll, you'll definitely get credit for it on here if, if the Dolphins end up – drafting him in the, the late rounds or signing him as an undrafted free agent. So, David, yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for joining us here tonight. Uh, we appreciate your insight. And, yeah, let us know on Twitter or throughout the duration of the show if you hear back about Pac-Man, okay? All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank and, uh, you David, that was David West joining us here uh, on the fence. I brought up a lot of uh, good points and things to think about, uh, especially – at the safety position, you know, I, I would prefer not to go that route with uh, getting a rookie in here. You know, there are some names in the second or third round in the draft. You know, you've got like Carl Joseph from West Virginia, Darian Thompson from Boise State, Von Bell from Ohio State, maybe second or third round picks. But I'm also thinking, would that mean the Dolphins are going that cheap route, that, uh, that excuse me, that rookie route uh, and that youngster route didn't work out very well with Michael Thomas, uh, or with Walt Aiken. So, but it brings up a great point, too, that they really haven't talked to a lot of safeties or talked about them a lot, besides maybe George Iloka, who's probably um, more than likely is going to go to another team other than Miami. But we'll see about that. Um, and, yeah, so, Paul, uh, what are your thoughts on tonight? Any additional things that you're thinking about as we really head into the madness tomorrow? Um, God, there's 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 a ton, um, to be honest with you. I think you've got probably a ton on your brain too. And we could fill probably four or five hours if we sat down and wanted to. But, uh, one thing I want to say real quick with David West on in is if you haven't checked out what they have going on, um, over with the Dolphins draft experts, they're on Facebook. As he said, they've got their Twitter handle. They usually do a really great job of breaking down not just early draft picks, but some of the later ones. They're one of the under-the-radar sites, and, and David's really good about interacting with you if you have any questions on stuff. So so definitely hit him up as a resource if you're listening. Because I know folks like myself, Kat, CK, Ian, everyone that we have on, we're, we're doing all our own research, but we're also asking each other, asking David, asking all these people out there. And you can get a more complete picture, and they may see something that you may not have seen when you're looking at it. So if you're listening, to it, check out their stuff. It's really good. Um, one other thing I want to bring up, and it's more of a congratulations to Richie Incognito. Um, this is a guy that all Dolphins are familiar with. Um, I, I sent a tweet his way today because, you know, basically saying congratulations to him. I hate, I hate that it's with the Bills. Um, I hate that it's with the division rivals. It's got to be one of them. I'm glad it's them. Uh, but you know what? This is a guy that, that's gotten his career back on track, regained the form that he had when he got suspended. Uh, won't get into the justly or unjustly, but 
he's gotten his career back on track. And, and, and congratulations to him. It, it's it's deserved at this point. He's more than paid his penance. I mean, the money he probably lost during that whole shenanigans um, probably outweighs what any of us are going to be making over the next several years. Um, yeah, good, that, good, good for Richie. Good, so, good for good Richie. For and and yeah. I, I will say he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong other than use naughty language that Jonathan Martin couldn't hear for some reason, but also could text Richie all that stuff uh, privately when his mommy wasn't looking over his shoulder. So congratulations, Richie Incognito. Does that fit into the gray area between choir boy and punching people in the face? Yeah, it does. It it barely fits. It actually really fits in there. Perfect. Three years, $15 million for Richie Incognito. And I'll tell you, I said on this very show, two weeks after Rex Ryan was hired, he would be a Buffalo Bill, and he would kick the Miami Dolphins' ass twice. He did. Uh, and uh, hopefully we get some more help up there with Ndamukong and Sue so it doesn't continue in the future. Uh, Chris Barker uh, wanted, us to give, wanted us to give him a shout-out tonight. Uh, Chris, uh, we'll always give you a shout-out. One of the most loyal Dolphins fans, probably the most loyal that's out there. I'm sure he's he's loving free agency right now. Um, but if there's nothing else here, or excuse me, one more piece of news before we do sign off. Mike Wallace was released after one season by the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, I, I thought it was an underrated signing for them, um, or, or trade acquisition for them, I should say. Um, now he's back in the free agent market. It'll be interesting to see what, what type of interest that he garners out there. Maybe he'll go back to Pittsburgh. We'll see. Um, so anyway, on behalf of Paul Pickin and Brian Miller, who uh, will be uh, joining us a little bit more as the weeks go on, if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it's on the fin side. Have a great night. Happy free agency tomorrow.